Hey, welcome to the podcast of C3 Los Angeles. I'm Jake Sweetman, and together with my wife, Nicole, we lead this church. We're glad you're here, and we pray that wherever you're tuning in from, that you are encouraged and strengthened by this word. Here's today's message. The title of the message today is, Am I Really? Am I Actually? A little different word there. Am I Actually Generous? Did I name this sermon or what? Am I Actually Generous? Am I Actually Generous? This past month, we've been talking about the human heart. And um, you can see here, above all else, guard your heart. Everything you do flows from it. The Baker Bible Excitopedia defines the word heart as something that signifies the total inner self. A person's hidden core of being It's the genuine self distinguishing from appearance, public position, and physical presence. And this heart self has its own uh, nature, character, and disposition. So your heart self is your true self. Beneath your performance, we all perform, right? We live in LA, a place full of actors, but we're all acting. As soon as you leave the house, as soon as you put your pants on, you're acting, okay? I'm not like, come on, let's... Throw that away. We're all actors. We know how to be polite. We know how to act polite. We know how to say the right things in the right place. And uh, I work in hospitality, so I know this. Like, there's, there's a couple of questions you ask before, and everybody goes, hey, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing good. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing good. Like, we all know that little, we're acting. Beneath that, we have a heart, our true self. And uh, that proverb right there says that everything flows from it. Everything flows from your heart, including your dreams and desires. And so if that's the case, then we want to make sure that our hearts are healthy, right? We want to make sure that our hearts are healthy. And this is precisely what Jesus is going to help us with today. So I've got two main points for you note takers. Where are my note takers? Come on, we've got like three, four people in the house. Do you hear that? That's the sound of heaven building your mansion. The four or five people. If we were all taking notes, we would be able to feel that earthquake. <laughs> Two points. Point number one, a healthy heart is a generous heart. Point number two, generosity grows your heart. Generosity grows your heart. As a human being, I genuinely think that my heart's posture towards everything in life is pretty fair, pretty decent, right? Everything's going well, and I want good for people. I want good for my neighbor. I want good for the stranger on the street. But it's until like, I get into like, an, an argument with my wife, or I get into a really heated discussion with a close family member, or even... I'll be talking to someone and I start judging them a little bit. Anybody feel like something you start judging people? We love these reality TV shows. We, we, my wife and I started watching that reality TV show Drink Masters last night. Anybody heard of that? It's about like cocktail, they're making cocktails. We're judging every single person. Like this is the person we want to win. He's got pride issues. We, look, we realize that I want, I, I want good for people. Then you realize, oh, actually, you know what? I, I'm, I'm pretty... 
I, I don't want good for people, do I, when I watch these reality TV shows? And so the reason why we think that is because the world thinks like that. The world thinks that we're inherently good. The unfortunate truth is that's a lie. <laughs> it says in Jeremiah 17:9 that the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. I'm not sure if you're, and beyond cure. We're screwed. <laughs> we're done. Who can understand it? If the heart's deceitful and it's beyond cure, what are we doing here? The amazing truth of the gospel is that Jesus doesn't just promise us a sewed up, broken heart or a little heart you find in a thrift store. Who loves thrifting? Little secondhand goods. He promises us a brand new heart. One of the ways Jesus is going to give us a brand new heart is through generosity. He produces in us generosity. Jesus says in Matthew 60, uh, Matthew 6, 21, verses 24, for where your treasure is, your heart will be also. So, It's kind of like a double instruction here. It's double-ended. If you want to search your heart, track your treasure. If you want to grow your heart, give. He then continues. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if the eye is healthy, the Greek word for healthy there is generous. Your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is unhealthy, the Greek word there is stingy. Your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? So Jesus is talking about eyes here, and I'm thinking, gosh, my eyes are pretty unhealthy, right? So I've got like a plus 10 prescription here. (laughs) So God, are you trying to say that I'm stingy? What's going on? The eye in Jewish literature simply means it's a synonym for the heart. So Jesus is preaching, he's talking, he's teaching out of the heart. He then continues, he says the eye, he's actually talking about the heart here. So Jesus is actually saying that the health of our hearts is greatly determined by the stewardship of our resources. The health of our heart is greatly determined by the stewardship of our resource. So how do, how do you view money? What do you see? Is it a resource that God has given you to steward? Is it your security? Is it your peace of mind? Is it something that you're in desperate need of right now? Is it enough? Jesus will change your entire perspective on finances. You just have to follow him. As long as you follow him, wherever he takes you, depending on your experiences, and you'll have completely different experiences to the person on your right and on your left and to your neighbor. But he's taking us all in the same place And that same place is where money is not our security, but God is. Money will not be my security, but God will be. I was always Mr. Budget. Any any budgeters in the room who loves the Excel spreadsheets? Come on. Where are my people at? The rest of you live by faith. (laughs) Where are my free spirits at? Where are the free? Yay, free spirit. Come on. His will, his bill. If he dresses the lilies, he'll pay for my billies. 
His way, he'll pay. I've always been super envious of you guys because, like, you know, you got that faith. You know that at the end of the month, everything's going to be fine. So just a reminder, next time you swipe, remember to tip 20% plus. Because if it is really his, his will or his bill, then he's going to give exceedingly and abundantly more. So I was uh, Mr. Spreadsheet. And uh, I've been uh, in the USA here now for, it'll be coming on five years. My first year I came here, I, I found my dream girl. We got married. I got my little green card. So I'm in the promised land now, okay? <laughs> We're in the promised land. And so I go over to the USCIS. I'm like, hey, I've got my little green card. I want to get a working permit because I want to pay my taxes. I want to be American. <laughs> and they're like, cool, we'll, we'll give it to you in 12 months. <laughs> so I'm like, cool, so I, so I can't work for 12 months, is what you're saying. So for 12 months, my wife and I are on this like shoestring budget. And I'm crunching the numbers in the budget, man. I'm making things work, dude. I'm just like taking the thing and putting it in the spreadsheet and figuring it all out and then multiplying it and being like, God... I can do all things through this spreadsheet. <laughs> I had a little section as well. It was the generosity section right on the end there. So we're always generous, making room for generosity. I thought, God, you're so proud of me. I'm making room for generosity. <laughs> you must be so proud of me, God. Got that. And so we're always capped out of generosity. And what was the issue, man? I'm like, God, I'm always making room for generosity, but we're always capped. Like, it, it's always going. It's going. It's like the first thing that comes out every month. And I remember someone from church hit me up that week. He was struggling a little bit. And he said, bro, I've got some bills I really need to pay. And I need to pay them like, like now. Is there any way you could just borrow me 40 bucks? Just lend me 40 bucks. And at the time, like, I'm looking at 40 bucks as nothing, right? But at the time, I'm like, dude, like, you have no idea. I've got responsibilities. I've got rent to pay. I've got a wife. Okay? All these things cost money. So I'm thinking, oh, 40 bucks, 40 bucks, what am I going to do? And then I'm reading in the Word the next day, it says Matthew 5, 42, it says, give to the one who asks of you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. And then he continues, he says, freely give, F freely, like, freely give, you freely receive, so freely give. So I'm convicted by the Holy Spirit, I'm like, God, you know what, I'll take the stupid 40 bucks anyway, and I was like, hey, here's your $40, dude. He's like, thanks so much. I'll pay you back. I'm like, don't pay me back. Because it says in the Bible, you shouldn't expect it back. <laughs> so I'm holding it together, right? Two days later, I get a call from somebody who I owe money. Dang, this is not going to go down well. Hey, how are you doing? I say, yeah, I'm doing good. He's like, hey, Jeff, I just want to let you know. Remember that $400 you owe me? Forget about it. You don't owe me nothing. God literally just tenfold my initial investment. <laughs> ROI 10x. God didn't want to just provide for me. 
God wanted to provide for a friend, but he wanted to grow my heart. It required a little bit of faith. Generosity oftentimes, in fact, all the time, will require a little bit of faith. In fact, not a little bit of faith. Maybe for some, it will require a lot of faith. For me, it definitely required way more faith than I thought. I was limiting God in my generosity to that little budget. I had my tithe, and I had my generosity right on the end. Right up front, I got my bills. God, I got to pay my bills first. I got to get my groceries, and then I got to get, like, date night. And then we got, like, tithe, and then we got, like, I had it the wrong way around. I prioritized the wrong things. God wants us to prioritize generosity, because generosity is going to change people's worlds. It's definitely changed mine. I'm going to reinstate those two points. Do you remember those two points? A healthy heart is a? Amazing. You guys did your homework. Generosity. Pastor Jake's leading at the front. I heard you all like the millisecond behind Pastor Jake. So as we get to know Jesus, everything begins to be flipped. What seems upside down but actually is the right way up. We've just been living upside down our, our entire lives. Everything begins to fall into its rightful place, which is under him. Jesus, uh, there's a story of Jesus and the rich young ruler. You might have heard of this. It's in Mark chapter 10, 17 to 23. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him. And fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared. All these things I've kept since I was a young boy. Jesus looked at him and he loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go and sell everything you have and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. At this the man's face fell. And he went away sad because he, were, he had great wealth. Jesus didn't want his money. Jesus wanted his heart. God doesn't want your money. God wants your heart. Your heart is way more valuable to him. We see value in material things. God sees value in the human heart. When Jesus says, come and follow me, he said to this young ruler, Oftentimes we can think, oh, follow me, like, you know, follow me on Instagram, you know? Or follow me on, on YouTube or on Twitter. And at Jesus of Naz. <laughs> Jesus of Nazareth, that was taken. Somebody took that. I don't know who did that. It's probably my brother. <laughs> Mocking me. Jesus the Messiah, I tried to do that one, but then Pharisees reported it, and then Instagram took me off because, like, you know, cancel culture. So Jesus of Naz, N-A-Z-Z, two, two Z's. 
Follow me on Insta. Watch me uh, cast out demons, cleanse the, lep- cleanse the leper, heal the sick, and raise the dead. It wasn't like that kind of follow. Like, come and spectate. Watch me as I do my thing, as I grow my kingdom. When he said, come and follow me, he, he meant come and participate. He didn't ask anything different from the rich young ruler that he did his disciples. Yes, he said, come and follow me, and the fishermen dropped their nets. Come and follow me. Matthew, the tax collector, handed in his resignation to the Roman Empire. I'm no longer going to collect taxes. I'm done with that life. Simon the Zealot ran from the aggressive political party whose experience was to rebel against the Romans, knowing well enough that if he'd left, he'd be left for dead. They were going to come after me. In other words, they left everything they had known. Everything they had known. Because when they'd come face to face with the word in flesh, when in the presence of the Alpha and the Omega, and when in relationship with the one who is the beginning and the end, everything you once knew becomes nothing. My entire life becomes nothing outside of him. Your whole world is flipped. What seems upside down, but is now the right way up. At the end of the day, the one commandment the young ruler had not kept, that Jesus had intentionally left out, because he had known, was the first. You shall not have any other gods before me. Noticeably, this isn't Jesus. This isn't the one he lists first, which points out that while the man's tower of virtue may appear tall, in actuality, it was crumbling right where he stood, his foundation. And Jesus' call wasn't Jesus' call for him wasn't for everyone. Let's just get that straight. Like there's there's nothing wrong with wealth. There's nothing wrong with having wealth. Wealth can be an exceptional tool to build the kingdom of God. But if wealth, if money and wealth is in the place of God, you know that saying like cash is king? I believe that for a long time. Cash is king. If cash is king, Jesus can't be king. Because if Jesus is king, everything else falls under him. And he only takes first place. If he's not in first place, he's, not a, he's nowhere in your life at all. I'm sorry. That's the truth. If he's not in first place, he's not in your life at all. He demands first place. Because he is. Jesus then continues to say, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Another difficult truth to, to figure out, but because when wealthy, it can, be ex- it can be extremely difficult to see that everything you own is nothing. Do you, do you hear what I'm seeing here, folks? Like, It's difficult when wealthy to see that everything you own is nothing in comparison to him. And what truly is everything has already been freely given. This is the good news, folks. Everything has been freely given. What truly is everything? The kingdom of God has been freely given to us. It's free. By grace, through faith, it's free. 
When you truly find everything, you'll see that once was everything, now is it, but is now under him as servant instead of master. You no longer serve money. Money serves you, and you serve God. When you truly find everything, you'll see that your desire to make it begins to fade away. And the desire to give grows. And in fact, making it gets redefined. Your dreams become God-centered and others-focused. You don't mind spending time in prayer for someone else's salvation instead of your next big break. You just trust God. Your life doesn't center around you anymore. You live a life of true open-handedness. When needs arise, you aim to help and meet them. When kingdom vision is cast, you incline your heart towards it. The Apostle Paul says it like this, I'll gladly spend and be spent for the sake of your souls. When you truly find everything, when you truly find everything, something changes on the inside of you that goes against the grain of the law's of sin and your sinful nature. People become your purpose. Money becomes your servant. And Jesus becomes king. Band, you guys can come up and help me close this one out. Three or four months ago, I was, uh, I was praying for my neighbor. I really felt inclined by the Holy Spirit to pray for my neighbor. He'd been going through some stuff. And uh, so I was just praying and trying to intercede on his behalf because I know, like, that's my responsibility as a Christ follower. And so I'm praying, and the Holy Spirit put on my heart, you need to give him something. I'm like, okay, cool, God. Like, what do you want me to give? He said, Money. <laughs> I'm like, clearly, God, I I clearly haven't got this one sorted, have I? Like, this issue is arising within me. Giving is, I'm always having to stretch my giving. I say, okay, God, how much do you want me to give? A lot. I want to give you a lot, Jeff. I I want you to give him a lot, Jeff. I'm like, get behind me, Satan. (laughs) I ain't doing none of that. So I hold it for a couple of days, maybe a couple of weeks. I then tell my wife, hey, just want to let you know. I was praying a minute ago and I really felt the Holy Spirit say, give this much to our neighbor. She said, do it. Oh, man. I was really hoping you'd say, no, that's a bit too much. Let me tell you folks, when you find a woman who fears the Lord, You find, you find a wife who fears the Lord. It's amazing, but it can be painful. And so I hold it back another two more weeks. I'm like, God, I'm, I'm not sure. I don't know if you spoke through my wife, even though she fears you so much. But he does. I remember turning up to church one Sunday. Pastor Michael's there. He's preaching on the gift of giving. I'm getting pulled and I'm getting convicted the entire message, man. I'm sat there and I'm like, he comes up. He's asking if anybody wants prayer, if you feel like you have this gift. So I come up 
Pastor Michael just lays hands, prays. And I just really, I sense the Holy Spirit. You better give that now. <laughs> I come out of church and I send that on Venmo straight away. I get a call instantly. Are you serious, bro? Nobody has ever done that. Why would you even do that? Nobody's done that in my entire life. That's ridiculous. That's preposterous. And I'm, I'm like sat here like crying, dude. I'm trying to head to work. And I just said, I don't know, man. I was praying for you. Because like, that was, I had to be honest. I was just praying for you. I really sense that God said, give you this much money. And it's, it's all yours. You can spend it exactly how you want. And he was extremely grateful. Maybe three or four weeks later, he turns up to church. Not even back seat, like first two rows. And I remember the Holy Spirit say, now do you see everything? Now do you see everything? Yeah, he may not have raised his hand to salvation all the call. He may have given his life to Jesus, but seed was sown that day. Seed was sown that day. The word was heard that day. And maybe if I didn't give, maybe he wouldn't show up. But I truly believe that God was orchestrating and doing something, not just within him, but he was doing something within my heart. For some of you, God's really been stirring up your heart during this message. And with these dream cards in mind, I really call them faith cards. Because a dream that doesn't require faith is a dream that isn't God-centered. And so when we look at these cards today, we fill them out. I want you to think about how you can give more. Not, not from like a, a worldly standpoint, from a godly standpoint. How can I give more? How much am I giving away this year? Like how many times am I buying lunch for a friend? Oh, I can, I can afford that. Can God provide? How am I going to give above and beyond? I really believe that if we put, in a, uh, put ourselves in a place of, God, I trust you. I don't know how you're going to come through on the end of this. We're going to really see him move. We're really going to see him move. And I really believe that God's going to move through us as we give and as we extend our generosity. This year could be an incredibly pivotal year for us. And it will be an incredibly pivotal year for us. I really declare that in Jesus' name. I declare that in Jesus' name. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that you have redefined our everything. Father, I thank you that you gave us everything. Freely we have received. Freely we will give. We trust you. We honor you and we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, all his people said. You've been listening to the C3 Los Angeles podcast. If you found today's message helpful, we encourage you to share it with a friend and consider rating it. 
If you'd like more information about our church or details on how to get connected to a neighborhood group, head to c3losangeles.com. We love you. Thanks for tuning in with us.